Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast. My name is Kieran Howells. I'm the head of content here and your podcast host for today. And I happen to be joined by a really interesting expert today. His name's Dominic Holmes, and he works on principle strategy and value at Cornerstone On Demand. And essentially, he has his finger on the pulse of the talent market. Now, this is the first in a series of podcasts we're going to be putting out with Cornerstone, and each one is going to delve into a bit of a different area. So today, we're talking all about where we are currently with talent, internal talent management. We're going to be talking a bit about quiet quitting, how to engage your people, skills requirements, all sorts of really interesting things. So I think without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. Hi, Kieran. Good to join you today. Uh, my name's Dominic, Dominic Holmes. I am a principal consultant with Cornerstone. I work with our thought leadership and advisory services practice. Uh, basically, I just do two things, really, for our clients uh, and the market in general, help them answer two really important questions, why I look at talent and why I look at talent now. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for being here with me. To set the scene, first and foremost, what's driving the current focus on talent, both internally and externally? Yes, Kieran, I think to do that, you need to start by looking at the current general environment for business. So, you know, I think there's two really key characteristics that summarize the business environment right now. And that is first and foremost, the pace of change. It's the fastest it's ever been and also the slowest it will ever be. And, you know, there's no better example of that really than looking at skills, how the skills that are in demand are changing so rapidly. And with a really good example of that being chat GPT. I think if we go back just six months, next to nobody uh, had heard about chat GPT. And now everybody's thinking about how we leverage chat GPT to drive operational efficiency gains in our business. So first of all, it's the pace of change. Secondly, it's the level of uncertainty that started with COVID and then has moved through to um, energy insecurity, food insecurity, war in mainland Europe, the prospects of challenging economic environment for growth. I think it's those two things combined is why people are really focusing in on talent, because ultimately we need to find new ways of working that enable us to do greater things faster. So that's, if you like, the drivers that are coming from business. I think if you look at that internally, you know, if we look at how the world of work is evolving, I think everybody would agree that it's going to be more complex. This means businesses are having to re-equip their workforce with new skills at pace and scale 
to match, if you like, this demand that's coming for disruptive solutions to drive growth in challenging economic environments. Uh, one of the really interesting things that you just said there was it's it's the fastest it's ever been and the slowest it's going to be. So are you saying there that you think that this is the status quo now, that this rate of pace is is now what we can expect indefinitely? Absolutely. And what I'm saying is it's just going to get faster as new technologies like AI start to uh, sort of combine with the human skills build to see a level of creativity and output. And I deliberately stress the difference between the two. It's mm-hmm. no longer just about output. It's about creativity, creativity to find new ways to differentiate your, your proposition as, if you like, some of the work that's traditionally been done by humans is taken over by technology, we're going to have to find new ways of almost still capturing the DNA behind the firms that got mm-hmm. them to this point, but critically enable them to build on that DNA to continue to differentiate when a lot of things will be shared uh, amongst competitors. So yes, I think it's it's just going to go faster and there's, there's there's nothing really to sort of challenge that i think rate of acceleration mm-hmm, absolutely and it's interesting you should mention the balance between trying to keep up with competitors in this day and age obviously that's that's a huge challenge it's a big kind of mountain to climb one of the things that i think is a really interesting element there is what that means for talent themselves so what do you think today's talent actually want from their employers yes i mean i think there's sort of i would say six sort of key areas really kieran that employees are looking for um, in terms of the new employee value proposition. I think no surprise to start with continuing upskilling and reskilling. So, you know, as we need find new ways of working, everybody understands, and I think COVID was really the great awakener of that, of the importance of staying current yeah. uh, in, a, in, a, in a disrupted marketplace. Second, I would say, personalized growth pathways now we talk about the world of work becoming more complex you know that's a multi-dimensional thing so you know i don't think it's as obvious as it once was to employees what they could be doing just three or five years from now mm-hmm. they need help in uh, and support in finding that and the, the key thing about that is that experience needs to align with how we all buy things today. So, you know, there's a lot more data around to help us make the right, if you like, purchasing decisions. I think um, employees are looking for this, this data, this map to help them guide their, you know, their career path going forward. So that's two. Three is really to, to multi-directional mobility. So, you know, employees are going to want to work within a business where it is possible to make 
matrix style moves. So just because you've been in a role for a number of years, they want to work in a business that looks at their skills, yeah, what they're capable of, not necessarily just what they've done, to perhaps take their career in different directions with these lattice style moves. Mm. I think four is flexibility. Flexibility can be from, you know, where you work to how you work, your style of working, but essentially more flexibility. And again, that's just sort of so much of what happens for us as a consumer, what we expect as a buyer out in the marketplace, we're starting to project into our expectations of work. The last tool is really, you know, alignment between the goals you give me and a clear purpose yeah. uh, of the business. I think, you know, businesses are increasingly needing to be clear about what their purpose is, their reason for being. And employees are looking for the goals that they're given through, you know, their development conversations, their performance conversations to really align with that. And then the last thing is connection and transparent communication so they're looking for more i would describe it as a partnership style relationship so you know if i was to try and sum all of that up i would describe it as a mentored partnership experience where we're combining what i want to achieve with what the business wants to achieve mm -hmm. in a partnership where we go forward together I, yeah, I love that idea, kind of a, a mentored partnership relationship. I think that's that hits the nail precisely on the head. Do you think that any one of those elements is kind of the driving force in the you know the shifts in the talent market that we're seeing, or is it really that collective of the whole experience there? I think what you need is a, a connected experience across the whole talent journey. But for me, you know, so much of the development that we see today is basically the, the scaling up of perhaps what was just available to the very top talent that was mm -hmm. in your business. But what that's having to be done is rolled down. And for me, you know, developing talent starts with mentoring. Because if you think about what a mentor does, they encourage you to develop the right skills that are perhaps going to suit um, a particular gig that they've got in mind for you in that business that's going to help raise your profile and broaden your internal network that's enabled you to progress through the business and generate greater business value, have more personal impact. Now, that used to be almost, if you like, an exclusive program. And that was fine when we weren't living in, in an environment that is so uncertain and with such a pace of change. But now, you know, we need the power of the crowd to solve these problems. Therefore, that mentoring experience has to be delivered at scale. So I think, yes, it requires a system of talent. Um, that covers the full talent journey. But the underlying theme for me is very much mentorship. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, it, it's not just external talent. It's not just bringing in talent, which people are struggling with. Retaining talent is a huge, huge problem currently. And I guess, you know, this really speaks to the point you're making there. Um, but do you think there's any particular reason that businesses are really struggling to retain their talent currently? Yes. I mean, I think, you know, there's a marked difference between high performing organizations and, you know, the chasing pack. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, we talked about those six dimensions to the new employee value proposition. Mm -hmm. High performing organizations are starting to deliver against those. So ultimately, it's just supply and demand. You know, the demand in terms of the value proposition from talent is clear. It's those six dimensions. But critically, I think everybody understands the importance of receiving that value proposition, receiving, if you like, that mentorship experience to mean that they will still be current. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there's 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 much more of a focus on getting that, and conversely, alarm if you're not. Absolutely. And I think it's that alarm that's driving the retention problems for talent, where organisations aren't yet covering as well as their competitors those six key dimensions. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that you know my next question was going to be. Is it that businesses are struggling with engagement currently? And if so, why? But I guess actually what you're describing is the equivalent of really good engagement because it, it's mutual engagement, isn't it, really? It is. And, you know, it's it's all about this fundamental shift, I would say, away from optimising mature operational processes yeah to carving out innovation that's going to disrupt and that shift in focus nobody's ready for it yeah so you know the employees aren't ready that's why you know people are embarking in skills and opportunity marketplace type initiatives and you know content creation from the SMEs in their business. But it doesn't just stop with the employees. You know, line managers have got to adapt. And it takes time and confidence to move from actually the last, you know, five years have been actually about optimizing mature processes. Now I've got to completely pivot and focused at least as much effort on, you know, building skills so that we get this agile workforce that's capable of succeeding in, you know, business of the future. So everybody is going on a learning journey and that takes time. And it's important to bring all of the key components with you because ultimately, for example, just building skills, but w- without equipping your line managers to move from being a line manager to a line mentor mm-hmm. and focus as much on, if you like, my performance looking back and my potential going forwards. 
if those skills are going to be harnessed. You know, it, it's about having that connected system of thinking is needed if you're going to deliver the experience and lock your talent into your business. Mm-hmm. It's a complex challenge. It is. It is. And, and it's really interesting to hear you pick up on the line manager in there because you you made a point about businesses not being ready it's actually that relationship is so much more fundamental than i think a lot of people give it credit for you know it's it's really interesting to hear how fundamental that shift in kind of the perspective of a line manager has to be um that's that's a really interesting point do you think that businesses are starting to kind of wise up to the importance of that relationship Yes. No, I, I think that they are. I mean, we, we did some, some recent research into talent mobility. So, you know, ultimately, uh, a lot of companies uh, have been busy with skills and putting the framework in to develop new skills and accelerate the pace at which those skills are being built. But ultimately, that's just one step in the journey uh, to becoming an agile, disruptive workplace, mm-hmm. uh, a workforce. And, and people are asking what's next. And what next is obviously agility, mobility, moving those people with the right skills into the right place. Mm-hmm. But achieving that and, and you know, what this research showed is the line manager is going to be a key part in that mobility solution. So, for example, if they're talent hoarders, they're not facilitating the opportunity for their talent to, if you like, diversify or explore different opportunities within the business. That's going to be a blocker for the talent mobility initiative. So that will undermine the return on investment in your skills Mm -hmm. and ultimately will lead to an engagement and ultimately a retention problem. So, yes, you're absolutely right. The line manager role, though often viewed as important, is fundamentally going to need to be transformed and grow to to deliver this talent experience journey that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the buzzwords that we keep hearing about at the moment, one of these buzz phrases is quiet quitting. It's a very, very interesting concept. What is it and why is it happening? I think, you know, for me, my understanding of quiet quitting is ultimately when I've become disengaged, disengaged with my experience of work. And, you know, I think a lot of connection was lost during COVID in between the business and its workforce and as you know businesses look to re-establish that connection almost in the gap there's been a re-evaluation of what it means to work and what people are looking to get from that world of work and it all comes back to are you delivering against those six criteria or six dimensions to the the employee value proposition and if you're not people are disengaging because a lot of the traditional 
opportunity to let people know they're doing well have kind of gradually been eroded. So, you know, organisational structures mm-hmm. are much flatter, despite being essentially uh, in a period of high inflation. You know, the affordability of pay rises is challenging for a lot of businesses. Therefore, you know, a lot of the easy routes for making employees feel engaged aren't open to a lot of businesses right now. Dial that in with, you know, a lot of the talent workforce also moving their understanding of what good looks like. And it's really, really challenging, isn't it, to sort of get your employee feeling good Mm -hmm. about their world of work. And ultimately, if they're not feeling good, that's going to lead to ultimately quite quitting, doing the minimum uh, to, to, to meet expectations, which is ultimately exactly the opposite, the polar opposite of, of what business right, needs right now as it looks to try and um, face up to this pace of change and uncertain economic environment. It needs employees who are ambitious mm-hmm. about finding innovation that's going to help their businesses go forward and 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 that's why engagement is so so important yeah yeah it's a unified experience that good businesses are creating in the world of work now isn't it i mean the the idea of a shared goal a shared mission and having employees super engaged with the with the challenge that they face is there's no alternative to that currently. And so I guess the key here is to actively get ahead of disengagement before an employee gets to that point rather than trying to solve it post-fact because obviously it's much easier to engage an employee in the first place than it is to re-engage a disengaged employee. So how do we do that? What are the keys to doing that? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think one, you know, invest in developing skills. Skills make people feel secure about their future. You know, for me, secondly, then it's really about set off in terms of changing um, the nature of the relationship between the employee and the business more to this partnership model. Mm-hmm. where we're taking, you know, it, it's not one-sided. It's a two-sided relationship. It's mutual. We're both as interested in, you know, each other's success. And we're prepared to collaborate. You know, we're going we're to become we. It's how we succeed to, to, together. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, you know, it's really important that then the culture of the business and it really needs to come top down i i you know i work a lot with talent and people leaders um with really exciting programs around talent mobility around skills and there's a marked difference in terms of the impact when hr move from being the drivers of that to being the facilitators and mm-hmm. business are the owners so you know getting the culture right means getting 
um, the leaders of your business, the owners of driving this and embedding it in, into your organization. And actually, there's probably a fourth. I'm starting to see some sort of green shoots around this uh, with investors and investors in business. I think when we were just looking to get operationally efficient around mature processes, it was always about a financial perspective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you just need to think about businesses that become unicorns from a valuation point of view who actually haven't even turned a profit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, why is that? And it's because of um, the knowledge, the understanding, the skills that they've built up in that business. We need to find a way of measuring that almost along the same lines at which we, we measure financial success. Mm -hmm. We all, almost need to find a way of communicating talent and skill success because certainly over the next five to ten years, I would say that's going to be equally important as managing your P&L and balance sheet. So really, um, those four key areas are, are what's going to help meet the challenges that we face today. Yeah, that's really interesting because I guess retention is something that is, is obviously measured. A, a, a lot of organizations very strictly measure their their retention numbers, but not as far as I'm aware, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of organizations aren't measuring their pipelines, so to speak. And I don't know how they could do that, but it, it definitely is an, an incredibly useful number to know, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I always smile when, you know, people talk about retention, you know, high retention of poor performers is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. it's a good thing so getting in you know that detail behind some of even the traditional numbers is is really important but yes you're absolutely right and um, you know i do know some progressive businesses that are already looking to track the rate at which they are building skills mm -hmm. and that's a main board agenda item you know are we building skills fast enough is the direction of the skills build supporting where we think right now our business is heading? So it's evolving. But, you know, I certainly uh, have worked on some assignments where businesses have taken investment and, uh, you know, the investors were very interested, if you like, in the maturity of their talent engine because yeah. they understand that this is going to be key to taking the business to its next level in terms of a valuation basis. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, it's you know that's really great to hear that organisations are already thinking about that, and I guess it it stands to reason that the organisations who have that mindset currently are going to be the ones who thrive when others are struggling so much. If, as you say, this rate of acceleration continues into the future yeah absolutely and momentum is going to be key so you know if we subscribe to the fact that the rate at which you can develop talent is going to be a key to your future business success 
Um, if you get better at that, you're going to attract more high-performing talent. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it will sort of like be, it'll act as a catalyst. It will be like a double win. You know, high performers will attract high performers. Unfortunately, the flip side is also true. Yeah. If you're struggling to retain high talent, you will lose your high talent. Sure. And then what you're left with is, you know, normal talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And therefore attracting high talent or developing high talent will just get that a little bit harder. So momentum around accelerating your talent base is going to be key. And, you know, you touched on it earlier when you said actually staying on top of um, employee engagement. It's, it's much easier to keep an employee engaged than it is to recover an yes. employee. Yeah. who's become disengaged that's sort of true at the talent level you know so ultimately if you've got a, a workforce full of high performers you're going to find it easier to attract high performers conversely if you are slightly behind the curve with uh, the rate at which you're developing talent and you, the number of high performing talent employees you have in your business they are more likely to be drawn uh, to organizations with high performers. Therefore, you know, you've just seen your talent asset take a step back. And secondly, you'll find it harder to attract a high performer to replace them. So, you know, momentum around building skills, building talent is going to be ever more increasingly important to make sure that you're ready uh, to deliver growth and succeed in the current environment. So my last my last key question for you then, obviously, we've talked about measuring. We've talked about some of the ways that we can benchmark success or failure in this area. What do you think are some of the other key measurements that we can make, you know, measuring outputs, not inputs and, and making sure those are aligned to the business? What are the key yeah. what are the key metrics there? I, I think, and this is what's really interesting, it's, it's how important what we measure is to the business. And a bit like what's happening in the world of talent has moved from HR and is now a main board agenda because they understand the importance of getting talent right to delivering on their future plans. And what that means is the metrics that they focus on are different. So, for example, they're not really interested in the headcount in talent, for example. What mm -hmm. they're interested in is the cost of the workforce or the sales uh, that are being achieved or even, and we touched on it earlier, the valuation of the business. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're going to see as the science catches up or, or, or the analytics catches up with the ambitions that the market has for talent is understanding how uh, getting talent right is driving those. And that's the, the key thing for me, business metrics, reducing risk, increasing revenue, optimizing the cost of the workforce, increasing the valuation of the business, increasing market share. The key thing is what's going to be measured is business impact and certainly uh, in my work 
we only ever talk about how getting talent right is going to drive those key business measures, those key business metrics in the right place. It's all about business impact and critically readiness, getting ready for the future. Because ultimately, we talked about change, we talk about uncertainty. It's become so hard to plan. We need to switch from planning yeah. to building this change readiness. And, and it's finding the right metrics that capture that is, is what's key. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate the conversation. And uh, to our audience, thank you very much for sticking with us. And we'll see you very soon. Thanks very much. Well, I would love to say a huge thank you to Dominic for his amazing expertise in this episode and an extra special thank you to Cornerstone for working with us to make this fantastic content. So thank you so much to Cornerstone. This is part of a series, so you can expect to hear more from Cornerstone very soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.